Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 is our passage this morning. John preached a message last Sunday entitled, A Thankful Church. And this morning I'm going to preach on a prayerful church. A prayerful church. Let's read God's Word together. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Let's read God's Word together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or as John exposited last week, your gentleness, graciousness, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much as we look back over just this past Thanksgiving week for your provision for us materially. We have food to eat, a roof over our heads, shelter and warmth in the cold. God, you are very good to us. And Lord, we see your goodness most clearly as we think of the provision of your son. And we're most thankful for him. Thank you so much for sending your son to die on the cross for sinners so that anyone who repents of their sins and trusts in Jesus might not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you that you have given us eternal life in your son. Lord, I pray that this morning as we look at this passage that you would truly cause us to be even stronger as a prayerful church, as prayerful Christians. I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's so good to see you, church. And there's going to be three points from the message this morning. The first point is uh, pulled apart by worry. Pulled apart by worry. The second point is the remedy of prayer. The remedy of prayer. And the third point is going to be the guarding peace. The guarding peace. Let's look first at pulled apart by worry. And let's look into Philippians 4, specifically in verse 6. John uh, focused in on 4 and 5 so well last week. We're going to accent in on 6 and 7 this Sunday. Let's look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. That phrase, do not be anxious about anything, is, is really a phrase that you look at when you think of the things that are going on in this world, that are going on in our country, um, that are going on in our lives. 
you can actually ask the question, how is this even possible to be anxious for nothing? Lord, this seems like a command that almost seems impossible to obey in light of the very real threats and the temptation to fear. You ponder threats like North Korea. You think of threats from other countries. You think of threats like the Las Vegas gunman. And, you know, I I think of that story in particular from our culture this past fall. That story is particularly unnerving when you consider that they just can't seem to trace back a reason why that man did what he did. And that leaves people in fear because there's this desire in us as human beings. If if we could just hang our hat, if we could hang our hat on some mental illness that the individual had, then we could get peace that this was some anomaly rather than just have to face the raw reality that man is by nature evil and not good. And so that leaves us with a sense of chaos, a sense of instability that that we, frankly, we just don't want to live with. Those are some of the bigger things happening in the culture, but when we face the pressures of even in our own lives of you better do this or else that kind of nag on your own mind. John talked so wonderfully last week about the what if scenarios. You better do this or else that the culture places on you or that we place on ourselves where we fear for our health. We fear for our financial situation and financial security How are we going to get out of debt? Those sorts of questions. Are we going to be provided for into the future? And we know God always will provide. Jehovah Jireh has provided for all of our needs and will continue to provide for all of our needs. And yet, these fears remain. You know, this this dynamic of fear and anxiety can weigh on us even in the midst of knowing truths, like Philippians 4 says in verse 5, the Lord is at hand. This command to be anxious for nothing, do not be anxious about anything, is a, is a command and it matters to the Lord that it's obeyed and yet very easily we can look at that and say, Lord, how is this even possible in light of what I'm facing from outside and from within This heart, you know, as we stop there just for a moment and pause, you know, I I, I marvel at this church, and I'm sure you do as well, that somehow it is the case that Jesus never once gave himself over to being anxious. Have you ever pondered that? Even when he knew that he was going to die on the cross, He resisted temptation in Gethsemane, and the strain was so great that he sweat drops of blood, but he did not give himself over to worry, anxiety, or fear. And therein, 
lies our hope this morning. Amen? Jesus has conquered where every day we fail. But this word for anxiety here in Philippians 4 verse 6, actually, the Greek word actually means distracted. We're distracted when our focus should be on the phrase immediately preceding that, the Lord is at hand. We should focus on the Lord being at hand in our lives and 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 really experience the full weight of God's character and His mighty power and strength on our behalf. We have no reason to doubt God's faithfulness or His trustworthiness or His goodness or His infinite wisdom at all. But, but this word for anxiety means to be distracted or to, to take your eyes off of what you should be focusing it on and focusing on something else and giving yourself over to sinful worry. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. And yet so easily we can be distracted from where our eyes need to be. The stop texting and driving campaign has been so important due to the amount of accidents and deaths texting and driving or distracted driving, the broader term, has caused. read a statistic this past week in preparation that each day in the United States approximately nine people are killed and more than a thousand injured in crashes that are reported to involve a distracted driver. Distracted driving is driving while doing another activity that takes your attention away from where our focus should be on the road. Keep your eyes on the road. And yet, so often we are so easily distracted and we're looking elsewhere I read a, a story about how the mo- one of the most common accidents that takes place on the road is when you're looking to merge onto a highway and there's a yield sign and you got a car in front of you and you're pulling up and that car looks like it's going onto the highway to merge and instead of focusing on the car that's right in front of you, you take a glance back because you're assuming that the car in front of you is going to hit the gas and continue going straight. And when you look back to see that your own way is clear, you're taking your eye off of what's in front of you and that that car has actually slammed their brakes on. And before a split second happens, there is a rear-ending accident. That is the most common accident that takes place on the roads. And it comes from taking our eyes off of where it should be. And ever since I've learned that statistic, I've realized when there's a yield sign, I try to make it like an extra focus because there's such an impulse to want to just keep going to, to take that glance back. But that's the moment when the most common accident happens. Wait until the car that's in front of you that has the yield sign goes and you're confident that they actually are merging on before you glance to make sure that you're able to merge in yourself. Distracted driving, texting and driving, looking where we shouldn't be looking is a common cause of car accidents and and suffering. And 
being distracted and not keeping our eyes on Christ is the cause of just countless internal sufferings and inner turmoils that we face on a daily basis in our Christian lives. And I'm so burdened for you as your pastor to make sure that we do everything we can to mine out the wisdom of the truth of God's word here and apply it into our lives from Philippians 4 verse 6. And my prayer is that for each of us, that we wouldn't just be hearers of this word, but also doers of it also this morning, so that we might experience a transformative peace in our lives that often eludes us. This word for anxiety, in addition to the word distracted, also carries this connotation as well. To go to pieces by being pulled apart in different directions. To go to pieces by being pulled apart in different directions. That's why I entitled the first point, Pulled Apart by Worry. Can any of you relate to feeling pulled apart this morning by the anxieties and the temptation anxiety that you're facing right now? If you are, you're not alone. You are in common company. This temptation to anxiety is one that we all face. And yet, just because it's so common, I believe the Lord doesn't want us to sweep past anxiety as if it's just sort of a smaller sin. Because whenever we confess anxiety or worry, nobody's going to come down hard on us. Everybody understands it's one of what Jerry Bridges wrote in his book, Respectable Sins. Anxiety and worry is a respectable sin. You're not going to get a sense of deep shame over anxiety. And yet, I believe the Lord wants us to lift the profile this morning of this area of sin and to see how it actually hinders prayer in our lives. The Lord wants to see us set free from going to pieces by being pulled apart in different directions, from a life that's distracted away from the focus of the Lord being at hand. But how do we do that when every day we have a myriad, literally a myriad of temptations toward being pulled apart in different directions, being pulled apart by worry? And that's what it feels like. When I wake up in the morning, my mind can be immediately bombarded, church, with the plethora of things that I need to take care of. The errands I need to run. Appointments I need to keep or to make. The tasks that I need to execute. The urgent communications that need to take place. Also, the more distant but important strategic planning things that need to happen within home and family and work. And in the pressures of making these things happen and trying to remember not to forget even one of the myriad of things. And even that alone can stress you out. And I know that focusing on God is the most important thing in my day. But it can seem so hard when you feel indeed like you are being pulled apart in different directions from within and from without in your own soul due to worry 
and anxiety. That pulled apart is no exaggeration. I was reading statistics that the stats are rising as to those who will suffer a nervous breakdown of some sort within their lifetime. And I think that one of the things that characterizes our age is there's a real weakness in handling stress and anxiety that even within the broader culture needs to be talked about more fully. But the problem seems so complex. And so the thought that somehow I could substantially experience a relief in this battle is far from us. And yet, I believe here in God's word, there is a remedy. And I'm praying for us today, church, that God would help us and protect us and that the effects and the the chains of anxiety that can seem to weigh heavy on us can be broken this morning. Because I think if you're like me, I, I, I think of the pressure of life and I, I think of it like water pressure. And there's a number of illustrations that I'm going to hit on today that deal with water pressure and comparing that with anxiety. And the first would be a sinkhole. Sinkholes are common where rock below the land surface is limestone or carbonite rock, salt beds, or rocks that can naturally be dissolved by groundwater. And that's how sinkholes are created. The the rock dissolves through the groundwater, and then there are pockets of space that are created as the water continues to move on. And over time, what looks very solid on the surface underneath has actually been eroded. And so even in our area, we've seen this phenomenon occur where you'd be driving on a road that just a few days before looked steady and stable, and yet a sinkhole opens and a whole section of a road can go down underneath and a big cavern can develop that can really be a threat. Anxiety can be like that. On the surface, we can seem perfectly okay. And yet underneath the surface, anxiety, like groundwater, erodes the the rock of our faith in Christ and the enemy seeks to get in there and cause the the stability of what we feel in Christ to be eroded away, to get us to take our eyes off of Christ and to look on circumstances instead. And slowly the erosion takes place. And we don't really notice it as a really significant thing until a sinkhole opens up. And then it becomes a wow. And, And often it can be very dramatic anxiety and what I mentioned a moment ago, and some of its more extreme forms of nervous breakdowns and other conditions are, are, are something that we want to have great compassion toward as we see others suffering from it. I, I'm so moved to want to do everything we can as a church to make this a culture more and more within Christ's community where we can talk about these things and talk about our fears and talk about our anxieties without fear of being judged by one another And I thank God that that already exists in our church culture where we feel like we can share and be open and be real about these things. But I I desire that more and more as we go into the future. We can talk about our our deepest distresses and struggles and know that we're going to have brothers and sisters in our care group fellowship put their arms around us and pray for us um, and that we would all have compassion toward one another in our various weaknesses. Anxiety and worry can erode us from within. And it 
other sins might seem much more demonstrative and destructive right on the surface. Things like sexual immorality and other sins like that, where it's just immediately apparent that this is a serious thing. Being eroded slowly from within is also serious. It might take more time, but it needs to have the attention given to it, just like other areas of sin. And in fact, as I was prepping this message, I was thinking to myself, anxiety, worry, that wouldn't typically be a top-tier focus issue for me in terms of my battles with remaining indwelling sin. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized I think that undercurrent, that groundwater effect is very real in my soul. And even though it's not a demonstrative, I'm constantly walking around worrying, I think the Lord has been kind to reveal that uh, fears can be strong in my own soul at times and anxiety and worry can be something that often distracts me away from prayer and focusing on God. And I hope that God will also greatly strengthen me, even as I'm preaching this sermon to you. I want to let you know I'm right in this fight with you and benefiting from the application of God's word, just as you are as well. <laughs> I remember one time when I, I think we were getting home, homeowners insurance with one of our homes and they were talking about, do you want insurance for this? Do you want insurance for that? And, and I was just like, man, this just seems like an awful lot of insurance. And the, the, the individual on the phone said, would you like sinkhole insurance? And I was like, oh, sinkhole insurance. Oh, that's surely that's got to be unnecessary. And, you know, this is enough is enough. I don't need all these insurances. And the, the individual said, asked me this question. They said, sir, where are you going to live? And I said, sinking spring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I better throw that on there too. <laughs> The sources of anxiety and worry can be endless. Oh, and now that's great. Now we're all thinking, do I have homeowner's insurance with sinkhole? Because I might go home from church and my house might be underground. Oh, man. Thank the Lord that the Lord is at hand. (laughs) But that's how worry can pull us apart. The, The second point I want to focus in on is the remedy of prayer, the remedy of prayer. God's word gives us a remedy to anxiety, and it's seen here in verse 6. Let's read again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. In everything, by prayer and supplication, these are heartfelt, pour out your soul to the Lord prayers. And with thanksgivings added in, here's a simple remedy. Let your requests be made known to God. It seems so simple that something like this would be able to tackle the monster of anxiety. Because anxiety has a million tentacles and it spreads out through our life. And yet the power of God in prayer has a a powerful effect on breaking the chains of anxiety in our life and ministering the peace of God unto us. How does this effect work? How 
does this happen? Again, I want to liken it to water pressure. We talk about sinkhole and the erosion effect underneath the surface of our hearts. But I want to talk here about the image of the water wheel. I love water wheels. Um, have you ever gone to like an old mill and seen uh, just water wheels are beautiful. Some of them uh, are just very large and, and, and a lot of industry during the 20th century was empowered by water wheels and they still generate electricity, but they've been used to grind grain and to drive sort of the engine and the mill to, to grind grain into further powder and to break down powerful forces at work through water, pushing up against a water wheel and the water wheel turning around and around. There's a, in the normal flow of a common stream, when a water wheel's turning, there's a, there's a gracefulness about it. There's a beauty about it that I believe the Lord wants us to have it capture our imagination as it pertains to this verse in Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. How do we do that, Lord, when the water pressure of anxiety is constantly pushing up against my life? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Church, similar to the way that the water presses up against the water wheel, fills up the little compartment in the wheel, and it has many different compartments. 10, 20, 30 compartments where water fills up in a little section in the water wheel, and the weight of that water drives the wheel forward, and the water is carried, and then as it's carried it's cast off by the water wheel and the water continues to flow downstream. Similar to the way the water pressure turns the water wheel, anxiety is meant when it's pressing up against us through hard life circumstances. Likewise, that is meant we as Christians should be good water wheels where when pressure comes from life, we allow that pressure to take us forward and then upward to God. And we allow that water pressure to, to, it resides on us. We can't escape a world that's filled with pressure and stress and anxiety. There's a reality to, there's just things that come our way every single day and thoughts that bombard us. Yeah, just like a water wheel has many different compartments, there are many different sources of stress and anxiety on any given day. And yet, as each one of those compartments are filled with water, brothers and sisters, let the water be driving us forward, cast off, and then driving us back upward to God in prayer. Let our prayers be like the spinning of a water wheel that actually, rather than draining us and eroding us and causing us to be pulled apart, let the pressures of life drive us forward and upward in a way that generates power in prayer. There's a grace and a beauty and a power involved with the process of 
tempting life circumstances pressing up against us. It's what we do with that pressure. That pressure can drive us forward and upward to God as we make our request known to God, make our request known to God, make our request known to God. And it's just an endless cycle. I think when you look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and you look at the, the, the call to pray without ceasing, imagine what our prayer life would look like every time we're tempted to anxiety or worry. We lift up a sentence prayer of request to God with that temptation. I think I'd be praying without ceasing. (laughs) I think we tend to think of prayer in like five minute clips that are just unnatural with our regular life. Prayer is meant to be just an ever turning mechanism in our life where we get met with temptations to anxiety. We let that pressure push us forward and we, we, we receive it, and we cast off our anxiety, and then the wheel turns, and we go upward to God, and you know what? Sure enough, there's another one that's going to fill it when we get up around the horn, but like a good water wheel, we allow that to generate power in our lives by driving us to God and to a deeper conviction that the Lord is near, and the very thing that we fear would destroy us, the pressures are actually what propel us forward in greater and greater maturity, godliness, zeal for Christ and His church, and living for the glory of God. Great power comes out from our Christian lives when we will learn to see our pressures as that which is meant to press us to our knees and to make our requests again and again and again to God. So this category of sentence prayers, church, in terms of application for all of us, I think this is something I'm really burdened about for myself, but also for you, that we wouldn't think of prayer in just sort of five-minute blocks, ten-minute blocks, hour-long blocks. Thank God for those. And I, I love those. I love concentrated times of prayer, personally and corporately. But you know what? I think we need to be praying in proportion to the anxieties bombarding us. And as they come, let us be like a good water wheel that spins, receives the pressure, and then casts it off so that it's not building up into a sinful form of anxiety that actually starts to cause us to doubt God and to sink under the weight of that pressure. And nothing productive is coming from it, but only that which is like groundwater eroding us from within. That's how we use the the pressure of water in a positive way. You know what I'm often like? I contrast myself with a dam. I feel like I've got to be this strong structure that water just backs up against. And my job is just to hold back the pressure. That's what strong men do and strong women do. Well, before long, the pressure mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts. We're not meant in the Christian life to display our strength 
by the image of being dams that hold back the pressure and like mighty fortresses. God's the mighty fortress. We should be not like dams, but water wheels that face the pressure and immediately allow it to drive us forward and upward. We cast off that water and it flows away. And then we're able to continue onward constructively. 1 Peter 5, 7. Remember this passage? Cast all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. The, the literal phrase, uh, because He cares for you, in the original is, because with Him there is care about you. With Him there is care about you. He cares about you. He cares about every single detail of your life. Every hair upon your head is numbered. God sees everything. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. The Lord loves you. And he, he calls us to cast our anxieties onto Him. Cast them. That language of casting is, is, is throw away. Like, and not just like a little tiny shove. I mean, throw it. And throw it as far as you can. Hurl those anxieties onto him because he cares for you. My wife Shannon was talking to me recently about this. She said that casting is more like throwing. She's like, a lot of times what I do is like with a fishing rod, I'll cast it out. But then I start to reel it back in. That was such powerful imagery, Shannon. You thought of it that way. <laughs> it's a great illustration of how oftentimes we cast, but then we start to reel it back in. And casting means we cast it aside. We throw it onto Jesus and we, we say the Lord is at hand. God's got this. And we allow then the peace of God to come. Oftentimes what we do is we think of anxiety in terms of not casting, but we think of it in terms of let go, just let go of the anxiety. But we want to keep it close. Our desire for control often leads to us wanting to keep the anxieties close. So even though we let go of it, we still want to take it back up again. Or we still want to reel it in. And then we cast it again, but reel it back in. But we are meant to throw it, put it into the Lord's hands and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God with the great and the small in our life, knowing that He cares for us. And like a good water wheel, let the water keep flowing downstream and don't allow it to back up and cause the pressure to build to where the dam eventually breaks. So let's cast away and let's not hold our anxieties close to us so that we can keep taking them back up again. Let the water wheel pressure of our anxieties transform into our lives into powerful prayer and making our requests known to God again and again and again and again. Let's learn to cultivate the habit of sentence prayers where we Make our request known. Make our request known. Make our request known again and again and again for every single thing that's popping into your head. And, you know, my guess is even as I'm preaching this sermon, you've got anxieties that are bombarding you. Um, and 
God doesn't want you to hold on to that. He wants you to cast that anxiety on Him. Make your requests known to God and let it be. As Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says in a verse that many of you love, as well as my wife and I, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trusting in the Lord is hard work, isn't it? (laughs) Casting your anxieties away from you can make you feel actually more out of control. And yet, there's something about casting them onto the Lord and letting them be that expresses great trust in God and brings great glory to Him. So let us remember the remedy of prayer and let us make our requests known to God. You can pray to God anything that comes onto your heart. Aren't you so thankful that we can take it to the Lord in prayer again and again and again? And the final point is the peace that guards. The peace that guards. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This word for peace here and this connotation, this meaning is the peace of God here in this passage is likened to a military protector. Preventing anxieties within. The peace of God that comes from us making our requests known to God actually then fortifies us from further anxieties. It's a strong phrase. It's not just this this guarding. that, that This guarding peace is not just sort of like a a guard that stands at the door and lets people in. This is a, a protecting and a guarding piece that protects our souls from the groundwater erosion that anxiety can have in our life. And, and that making your request known to God and being a prayerful church, a prayerful Christian, helps to usher in this peace. When we trust in the Lord, there's peace. When we trust in ourselves, and our own ability, when we lean on our own understanding, when we lean on our own understanding, we won't have the peace that surpasses understanding. But when we lean on, the Lord is at hand, CB. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. And we trust in Him and we cast off our anxieties and we continue to make our requests known to God. There's actually a military guarding peace that comes and surrounds us and protects us. And it protects us from preventing, it prevents anxieties from within and satanic doubts from without. It's a strong phrase, that word for guard. I want to confess to you that peace This peace of God here in this passage can often elude me. One of the things that was actually troubling me so much in the preparation of this message, and I was talking with Shannon about it over and over again, is I just want to confess is that on preaching on being a praying church and a praying Christian, 
was that, that this byproduct of the peace of God can often elude me. I don't know if you can relate. I was perplexed by this. Because I, I, I cry out to God. But I realized that the reason peace so often eludes me, brothers and sisters, is because of me, not because of God. 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I, I pray, but when it comes to praying without ceasing, I, that does not describe my life. I can ruminate on and project a million negative scenarios out from the temptations I'm facing to anxiety. God calls us to take that sin seriously. The fact that peace eludes me is like a, a check engine light that ought to lead me toward repentance. And I believe God has been granting me repentance, even as I've been preparing this message in order to be a blessing to you. Instead of using the pressure of the water, which is just inevitable in this fallen world, to drive me forward and upward to God, instead I hold on to it. I try to figure my circumstances out. Have you ever been there? And then the pressure builds. You're not going to get peace, and I'm not going to get peace by figuring our circumstances out. It always promises that it will. If I could just gain understanding, I'll be good. No. The peace of God transcends understanding. It's something that comes from trusting in the Lord with your circumstances, not through figuring your circumstances out, brothers and sisters. And this is something I'm learning in my own soul. Psalm 46. My wife Shannon put a plaque up in our family room. It just says, be still and know that I am God. One Christian wrote that Christians often interpret the command to, quote, be still as uh, to be quiet in God's presence. While quietness is certainly helpful, yes, it is indeed helpful, the phrase be still, listen to this, it means to stop frantic activity. Stop frantic activity. I can be sitting down, calm, and have a lot of frantic activity going on inside of this heart. Can you relate with me? Being still means to stop frantic activity. That one translation talks about to cease striving. Cease trying to figure everything out. You are not going to get peace from trying to figure things out. We need to turn away from that vain ambition and turn toward, Lord, my job is to, as First Peter talks about, to humble myself under the mighty hand of the Lord and to entrust this situation and every detail into your hand. 
I'm going to make my request known to you. God, this is, I, this is what I would love to see happen and how this plays out. I'm going to make that request known to you, put it in your hands, and like the water wheel, cast that water aside, let it flow downstream, because as I go upward again, there'll be more coming. <laughs> but there's power that comes from that. Not a crushing soul burden that sinks you and weighs you down and eventually leads to an anxiety attack and a panic attack or worse in your life. Brothers and sisters, these things are so, so important. Cease striving. Be still. And know that He is God. Psalm 37 a great passage of study. If you if you struggle with anxiety and worry, Psalm 37 is a great psalm. I'm just going to quote one phrase, probably one familiar to many of you. Fret not yourselves; it tends only to evil. Fretting leads to evil. Trusting leads to righteousness, and peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Psalm 131 actually talks about, I I love this passage where it talks about, and some of you know uh, just this phrase, it's it's such a beautiful phrase that David quotes in relation to his calming of his own soul. Listen to this. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So my heart's not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. This is too big for me. I assume that if I could understand, then I would have peace. This is beyond me. This is too big. It's beyond you, brother. It's beyond you, sister. This is something that is in the marvelous plan of God. Our job is to be still and to know that he is God and that he is on the throne and he's got this. He's got this in your life. I do not concern myself with things too wonderful for me. So I want to stop an application to this. I want to stop fighting for understanding. Stop fighting to figure it out. And instead, humble myself under the mighty hand of God and trust in the Lord with all of my heart. Make my requests known to God and let that pressure flow downstream and do that over and over and over again. And as long as it keeps knocking, I'm just going to make that request again and again and again and again. Pleading with the Lord and being like in the parable of the persistent widow who continues to make her requests known and eventually gets what she requests. I want to have that spirit of persistent, patient prayer. And may we be as a church, a church that is patient and persistent in prayer. Ladies, may you be, as 1 Peter 3, 6 says, Sarah, who obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Do not fear 
anything that is frightening? How is that possible? (laughs) Again, as women of God, there is a casting our fears and our anxieties onto the Lord that we might not fear things that are frightening. There are things that are frightening in our lives, but there is a way to live not driven by fear and anxiety, and there's hope in that. And I hope that uplifts your heart as it uplifts mine. I want to be like Sarah, who does not fear what is frightening, but entrusted herself to the Lord and entrusted herself in a marriage to a man who often was sinning against God, who was often Abraham was leaning on his own understanding and was creating all kinds of stress and chaos in Sarah's life. And yet she did not fear what was frightening. She entrusted herself to God and trusted in the Lord and was still. She's an example to all of us. So brothers and sisters, in closing, the tendency to be fearful, to fret, to be anxious, to worry is common, but it can be conquered by the power of the Holy Spirit. But before we talk about conquering it, let us rejoice that it's already been conquered by Christ. Let us rejoice also that we are going to dwell forever in heaven and ponder this. We are going to dwell forever in heaven and there will never be another anxious moment that you will ever have again. Forever. Now is that not good news in the midst of this weary world? Let us start by turning to the Lord now. And if I could have the worship team return. Let's cry out to Jesus and ask Him to help us. Let us thank Him for dying on the cross for our anxieties and our worries. Aren't you so thankful that we have a high priest who was able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses and temptations and was tempted in every way as we are, so he understands, but yet he was without sin, that he conquered where we have failed. And as John 16, verse 33 says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let us all stand and let us worship the Lord for how good and awesome He is. If you're with uh, your family member, if you could take your family member by the hand, um, let's let's close in prayer and ask for God to cause this message to bring great fruit forth into our lives. Lord, how can we thank you enough that in the midst of, we see the command to to not be anxious, and yet we recognize our anxiety, and we confess that instead of being still, we have allowed a lot of inner turmoil to stir, because we haven't trusted in you the way we should. We repent, Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness for not trusting in the one who promises the Lord is near. You have proven your trustworthiness and your goodness, and we are so sorry, Lord, for doubting you. With the great and the small in our lives, we repent and we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, I also ask on our behalf as a church, would you please pour forth, Holy Spirit, fresh peace of God onto all of my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room and on our church as we seek to 
cast our anxieties right now on you. Lord, we, we cast them collectively as a body onto you, Lord Jesus, knowing you can bear the weight. We can't bear the weight, but we cast them onto you. The anxieties concerning our marriage, the anxieties concerning our children, the anxieties concerning our grandchildren, the anxieties concerning our church, the anxieties that are burdening us down in the great and the small in our lives, our financial burdens, our health concerns. We cast them on you. You alone can handle it. You alone, Lord God, can carry it. Lord, we are called not to carry it ourselves, but to cast it. And so we make this request known to you, Lord. Lord, receive our burdens. Receive our anxieties, Lord God. We we do not wish to carry them any longer. And Holy Spirit, would you be so kind even to minister to our precious church and all of us here this morning. Would you bring the peace of God even right now in the name of Jesus upon my dear brothers and sisters so weighed down and troubled and distressed over many things. But only one thing is necessary. Only one thing is needful. Jesus, it's You. We sit at Your feet right now and we receive from You, Lord. Like Mary did of old. We sit at Your feet and we say we trust You. We trust You, Lord of heaven and earth suffering servant who died on the cross for our sins. We put our lives into your hands and every need great and small into your hands. And we confess as a congregation with faith, you got this. You got this. Why don't you just repeat that to the Lord with the circumstances you got going on right now. Lord, you got this. 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 And you got us. We love you. Strengthen us. And I pray that we would be different walking out of here by the power of your word and by your spirit. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank the Lord for how awesome of a Savior he is? I'm going to remain up here. Just We're going to close the service officially. If there's anybody, you just feel like you can relate to me if peace can often elude you. I just want to stay around and pray. Uh, care group leaders, others in the church, if you could keep your eye up here as well in case the numbers grow too numerous for just one person. But I, I'd love to pray with you. I'm here for you to carry these burdens with you as your pastor. Love you so much and uh, would love to carry your burdens with you. And so have a wonderful week, church. God bless you. And thank you so much for your love for Christ. Have a great day.